This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 204. And on today's show, we will be breaking down the Aaron Rodgers trade. It is official, signed, sealed, delivered. Don't have to talk about this one after today. Thank goodness. We're going to talk about some NFL draft dream fits, rattle off a few guys each that we would love to see land in a certain scenario. After all, the draft is this Thursday, starts this Thursday. And then we're going to switch it over, talk some NBA, the latest news, and talk about some of these playoff series that have continued on here and given us something to talk about. Without further ado, Jackson, I guess we can get started here. The Rodgers trade is official. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers. Pick 15 in this draft and a 2023 fifth round pick mm-hmm. in exchange for pick 13. So swap there, moving two spots back in the first round. A tw- uh, the Packers also get a 2023 second. That is 42 in this draft, a sixth round pick. And then the big one here, a conditional 24 second rounder that becomes a first rounder next year if Rodgers plays 65% of their plays. That's a lot. I'll let you take this and run with it. Yeah, originally I did not see the conditional second. And so at first thought I was like, man, I mean, Green Bay barely got anything back, but that second is essentially a first. So I think this is a pretty even trade. You know, it took forever to happen. Clearly both sides had a lot they wanted or weren't willing to give up. And I think everybody won here. Uh, I think the most interesting thing is the 13 and 15 swap in the first round because I believe Green Bay moved up two spots. Jets moved back two spots, correct? Or am I opposite there? Green Bay moves up two spots to 13, correct? What do you think is behind that? Do you think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba? Do you think it's Meyer, Dalton Kincaid, defensive player maybe? Like there has to be a guy that they are really looking at and think he could go at 14 to the Patriots or the Jets could have taken him at 13. Otherwise, I don't get why you include this in the trade. Like it really doesn't help you that much if you're Green Bay. I don't know. I think you have your board that you're looking at. I'm sure they have 25-ish guys or 20 guys with a first-round grade and they want to make sure they get one of the top guys in that group. I think it's just extracting a little more value out of the deal. I'm a little bit surprised the Packers got essentially two second rounds and maybe a, or not just two second rounds. It could be a second and a first instead. Right. That's more than I was expecting. Granted, the Jets were the only team in on Rodgers. So I think they made out pretty well here. And Cherry on top is moving up two spots to maybe go get one of those pass catchers. Tight end at 13 is a little rich for my blood, though. I agree. But I don't know. This is also. And maybe the best tight end class we've ever had. So who knows? Um, I, All the more reason to wait. Yeah, valid or go get the guy you're in it's love not with. Kyle Pitts at 13. I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the three top guys wind up being better than Pitts. But that's he's also damn near a receiver. It's a little bit different. <laughs> uh, I think at 14, when you look at New England, they did trade away Jonu Smith. They don't really have any receivers. Jacoby Myers is gone. So Sonny Juju, got Gasicki. Yeah, I guess you got Gasicki and Juju, but I, I, Juju more long-term because it is a longer deal. Maybe they're not going to go offense, but looking at them thinking maybe they could and Green Bay wanted to get above them. But, you know, end of the day, I think both teams win here, and I'm curious to see what Green Bay does at 13 now. Yeah, I have an idea of what they might do. Um, Let's talk about how this affects these teams going forward, though. The Jets are now second in the AFC East in terms of odds at plus 225. Bills plus 130. You have the Dolphins at 3-1 to and the Pats at 8-1. to You think that number is correct, and do you think the Jets have a real chance of coming out the AFC now? I don't think they can win the AFC. I do think they can win that division. I just feel like the AFC has too much, man. And for an aging quarterback to come in with, I mean, it'd be one thing if this trade happened a month and a half ago and he's already working out with his receivers and, you know, they're already building up chemistry and camaraderie. But just with the way everything's gone, it's only April. It is only April, but 
I don't trust that it's going to be a perfect transition and all is going to go perfect according to plan because it just seems like nothing has with Aaron Rodgers in the last five to 10 years. <laughs> so I think they're going to be really good and there's lots of potential, but am I ready to say they're going to come out of the AFC and should be front runners? Absolutely not. Maybe if the Jets were in the NFC, I'd be making that argument. But with the Chiefs and obviously Bills in division and so many of those are teams, Bengals, I just don't think they're going to be the AFC winner. Yeah, I think you just have to look at the horses at the quarterback position in the AFC and ask if Aaron Rodgers can go through them consecutively because that's what it would take most likely. Beating two of Herbert, Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, throw um, Lamar Jackson, Dolphins, Lamar in there. Yeah, there's a lot of really good teams in the AFC. There is, absolutely. But I do like the fit on paper reuniting with Nathaniel Hackett, who he won an MVP with a couple of years ago. Also love the skill guys they have. We'll see if Brees Hall can get back to 100% by the beginning of the year. Don't know if he will, but he'll come on in the second half for sure. And they also have a pretty solid receiver core. Alan Lazard came over, already has a relationship with him. Garrett Wilson, I think very, very highly of. I think he's a true number one receiver better than Christian Watson. So I, I think he could hit the ground running. Would I, or if I had to place like a confidence level on it, I'd say 60%. Uh, but I mean, they're going to yeah. be good. Like they're not going to suck. As long as Rogers is healthy, they're going to be 500 or better. But I mean, their win total over under, I'd probably put it at 10 and a half. And I think it'd be crazy to go any higher than that. I don't actually have that. Let's see what it is. It's got to be 10 and a half. Somewhere between 10 and 11. Seven hours ago. I thought you were about to say seven and a half wins. And I was going to say, that must have been from last week. It is nine and a half. Oof. Got to take the over, right? Minus 150, though. Probably a little bit of juice there. Minus 134. Yeah. Courtesy of I'd maybe take that. I was going to say I wouldn't take their over necessarily, but nine and a half. I mean, I feel like they can go 10 and seven as long as Roger stays healthy. That's about where I'd pencil them in 10 and seven, 11 and six. But I don't think they're going to be 14 and three and, you know, top dogs in the league by any means. Yeah, they actually have the fourth best odds to come out of the AFC and nine to one. And the but their six, win total is only nine and a half. That doesn't make a lot of sense. That, to me. Yeah, they're ahead of the Jags. That's surprising. And then they have the six best Super Bowl odds at 14 to one. So I don't know if that's just early love coming out after the trade, but that's where we're at. And I, I was excited about that team a year ago. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would be a huge improvement over Mike White and Zach Wilson. So maybe they rattle off 12 or more. Maybe. I mean, that's not impossible. It's not impossible. On the flip side, are the Packers now the worst team in the NFC North? Could be. I think that division is wide open. Uh, We had a little bit of a debate on it, you, me, and Brian, earlier in the week. And, I mean, no team out of that division would surprise me if they got last or they finished first. I mean, I guess I'd be a little bit surprised if they got last. I'd be surprised if they finished last. It would have to probably be a golf injury or just a flat out debacle. But I don't think there's any team that's far and away the best in the division. Sure. We like what the Lions have got. You know, they're talented. We'll see what they do in the draft. They've got a decent amount of assets. They're going to be solid. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings won 10 or 11. Wouldn't be shocked if the Bears got to 9 or 10 wins. I mean, we saw the Lions last year go from worst into almost a playoff spot. So anything can happen. And with the Packers, they could win six games. Wouldn't shock me. They could win 10 or 11, and I could get behind it. I mean, it's just such a small sample size with love. It's impossible to say. They could win three, and I wouldn't be shocked, man. Now, that would surprise me. I I think they've got too much baseline talent on both sides of the ball and good enough coaching where they're going to win more than three games. You you really think that about their offense? Here's their skill position depth chart right now. It's obviously Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon solid there. Just pretty solid. The offensive big line on the last year. Offensive line has regressed a little bit. I also thought their offense would be good with Aaron Rodgers, which I was wrong about. And I think part of that <laughs> was due to Bakhtiari being injured all year some shuffling up front. But then you look at receiver, it's Christian Watson and nobody else. Romeo Dobbs and Samari Triore are the next two. 
at wide receiver for them. And then tight end, Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Davis. I don't know who that is. So they have a lot of work to do on that side of the ball. Well, they got the 13th pick, and I imagine they're going to take someone that's going to help Jordan Love out. Hopefully, which is ironic considering they never took a pass catcher in the first round with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Got some extra picks in this year's draft now, so maybe they'll change that. Yeah, not to defend the Packers front office, but you were just saying, you know, they had Aaron Rodgers. I thought the offense would be fine. And now we're talking about a young quarterback with little to no experience in Jordan Love where, yeah, you should probably get that guy some help. So not that it makes it defensible if they do go offense with the 13th pick and they never did it with Rodgers. But it's just a little bit of a different scenario when you feel like, hey, we've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We don't necessarily need to get him help where. You know, we've got a guy that's only started five games about to be under center, and he barely played any quarterback in college either, so let's get him some freaking help. Yeah, I am with you on that. All right, I got a couple more news pieces before we move on to draft talk. Yeah, Tell me if you want to chime in on any of these. One, Jamison Williams suspended six games. We brought up the Lions. Maybe that will change their decision-making in the draft. They have the sixth pick and the 18th pick. Uh, Matt Patricia joining Nick Sirianni's staff in Philly. Sirianni said he brings value as a defensive mind and a former head coach. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> he said as a defensive mind after his failure as an offensive coordinator this past season. Yeah. Uh, we also have Ryan Tannehill now available via trade. And then Tom Brady did not rule out unretiring and playing for Miami. So yeah, if I there's watched, anything to chew watched, on here, let me know. Clickbait. It's clickbait. I watched the full clip and he was doing some type of event in Miami and they were asking him about the Dolphins and he did not say he wouldn't rule out retirement. The clip and article, it, it you cut it a certain way and it looks like that's what he's saying. But the full thing, he's just complimenting Miami. He's saying, you know, I've got some friends on that team. I'm rooting for them. You know, I would like to see them win. It wasn't like, are you coming out of retirement? Well, I really like Miami. I got friends there. It, it wasn't quite that leading. Well, Tua did say he he considered retirement. So I think there is a yep, world yeah. where if Tua gets banged up during the season, Brady could come out, finish the job. Don't call me crazy. I don't think it's that crazy. I also think there's a chance that they could be in on Trey Lance, depending on what happens there. Yeah. Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. He'd know what he would be getting, and it seems like they'd be able to cook up some interesting stuff with that offense. Could possibly have him behind Tua for a year and have a nice little insurance policy, see what happens. I don't think you're going to have to give up a ton of assets for Lance at this point, but I don't know. John Lynch did come out and say there's not a fire sale on him, and they're still looking for a decent return, so maybe all of that is smoke. Hey, the Tannehill-Trey Lance swap might have some legs. Think Tannehill could take the Niners to a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know if he's any better than Brock Purdy, but it sounds like Purdy could potentially miss the whole season. Hmm. Well, they got Sam Darnold there as well. So someone's going to win games who under is, center. He's deep into the Niners, uh, Niners Twitter and message boards. He said that if he had to bet, Sam Darnold will be the state or the day one starter. Okay, you heard that here first, folks. Let's talk. I thought some... it was crazy. I called him stupid, but just saying <laughs> it could happen. All right, let's talk some draft real quick. First round Thursday night. I'll be going down there to check it out since it is Heck in yeah. Kansas City. Say the stage is the biggest in draft history over the size of a football field. Should be dope. Jackson, I tasked you to come up with some dream fits for likely the first round, um, but... The floor is yours. Give me your first one here. All right. My first one, it would likely take a massive slide for this to happen or the team trading up. We're going with CJ Stroud to Tampa Bay. Oh, no one's really talking about that. And I think it could make sense. They got a lot of weapons and he could go compete with Trask. If he doesn't win the job, not the end of the world. He got another guy there. Supposedly you like, let him battle it out. What do you think? I do like that quite a bit. I mean, I believe in him as a passer. The whole question mark is what will he be willing to do with his legs, extending plays well, in the NFL? And can he read a defense? That's part of it as well. There's definitely concerns about the low Wonderlick score. Wow. And 
everything else that comes with it. Yeah, I think you go back to the tape and see what that told you. You don't you don't listen I to agree. those scores too much. I agree, but also Brock Purdy had the highest score in his class and he worked out okay. Kyler Murray had the lowest in his class and there's clearly some um, film room and reading defense issues. So I, I don't know. I, I don't take a ton of stock in it, but it concerns me a little, you know, that everyone's kind of out on Stroud now and it sounds like he's going to slide to at least some extent. I don't buy that at all. I don't think he's going to slide, but if you tell me he can go to Tampa and immediately have a couple sick receivers, which he is accustomed to having at Ohio State, I think that would work work pretty well and they might be able to hit the ground running. They'd have to move up, though, from 19. Most likely, they would, yes. I'm expecting crazy stuff, though, man. Stroud could be the second QB taken. He could be the fifth QB taken, and it would not surprise me. I mean, it's it's Who would be the fourth stuff coming if he out. was the fifth? Well, you would have Hooker. Bryce one, Levis two. Yeah, Hooker's going to go top 20. That's that's a done deal. Supposedly, the I'm Texans not convinced. Are, I am. The Texans are in love with him, apparently, and are looking to take him at 12. Your source is? Everything I'm reading. I mean, Tom Pelissero was saying it. Todd McShay was saying it. Everything I'm reading says Hooker's trending up, and there's no way he makes it out of the first round. I believe McShay said multiple sources have told me they would be absolutely stunned if Hooker made it past 20. Interesting. Okay. Not with Did you on that smoke? one, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's smoke season as we are two days away. My first one is Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Packers at 13. I think this makes way too much sense. He played in the Big Ten and that weather that he would experience playing in the NFC North. Balled out there, had a great... When he was uh, healthy. Yeah, great receivers coach Brian Hartline there at Ohio State gets the most out of these guys. People question whether or not he can play on the outside as well as the inside. I don't think that really matters when you have Christian Watson on the outside. I think that would be a fantastic pairing for Jordan Love. You got a technician and you got a big play guy in Christian Watson. That's my pick. I don't know how they could pass this I up. I like it. Unless they go tight in maybe, but surely they're going offense. Maybe like if you know, Skronsky's there and there's a lineman they really love. They go offensive line. You picked up a second, second round pick here. How about uh, Darnell Washington, second round? Block, be big blocking tight end would also be a good weapon in the red zone. Yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. And then go JSN first round and load yeah, up baby. on the weapons and then also get some blocking with Darnell. Yeah, it, it could make sense. Yeah, I mean, people keep saying he's a, he's a, another offensive lineman at the tight end spot. So I would love that. They want to run the ball, have a balanced attack. It would work. Be good. I don't know if he'll be there, but that Lost Mercedes Lewis, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he was he was old as hell though. I think you'd be getting a lot more with Darnell Washington. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's not not a bad idea, man. Not a bad idea. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and jump to the second dream fit that I've got here, and you're gonna hate this one. Bring uh, it on, Quentin Johnston to Kansas City at the end of the first round. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I'm just on my island of he's gonna bust, but I totally understand the logic. T- tell I me why think he's got. Well, he's got an insane amount of talent, and Kansas City needs a receiver. I mean, Juju was on paper their number one last year. He's gone. Kelsey's getting older. Yeah, Mahomes is the best in the league by a mile, but get him a little bit of help. I don't think you need a ton else. Maybe some defensive help. I don't know. I I just think they got to add another receiver one way or another. At some point in the draft, they're going to add one, or they're going to pick up a guy like Hopkins if he gets bought out and – might as well go get a guy that could be your premier receiver for the next 10 years. I mean, the entire Big 12 thought so much of this guy where last season, not even this year, I guess the season before this year, he was voted on first team all Big 12 and he didn't even have that good of numbers. Everyone just knew how talented he was and feared going against him and made him such a focal point of defensive game plans because they knew what he had. I mean, the guy has been one of the top recognized as one of the top playmakers in the best offensive conference in the nation for the last two seasons. 
I think that's a little bit of it, though. It's the Big 12. Like, you expect big, porous numbers from these guys. Um, yeah, I, I want him to work out a 6'4", 4'4", speed receiver for the Chiefs. Sounds like a scary thing. And if anyone is going to get the most out of him, I think it would be Patrick Mahomes. Just hope he can catch a ball thrown 50 yards down you the field. You are reading so deep into the drops. <laughs> he had a few drops. When you're targeted 80 million times, it's going to happen. Hey, I think he'll be all right. I don't think he's going to be like a true number one, though. Mm, I think at Kansas City he would be. I think he could absolutely go off there. Now, if you're going to send him out to, I don't know, let's say like, Houston, like if they snagged him early second round and he's got a, a no name QB or a rookie throwing to him, disaster. okay, yeah, it might not work out great, but I think if you put him in the Kansas City offense, he's gonna ball. Yeah, um, he's gonna work too with that group, no doubt. Who do you got second here? All right, my next one is a tight end. Let's go, Michael Mayer to the Bengals at twenty eight. Well, damn, I got that as well. Okay. Mayor or Kincaid, take your pick here. Mm -hmm. I think both of those would be great picks for the Bengals. Maybe they take whichever one is on the board. Hurst is gone to Carolina. If they, either are there. Yeah, they signed. Well, maybe they'd even trade up. I don't know. They signed Irv Smith in free agency, but he's coming off of injury. He has never really panned out. I think you get one of these guys and give Joe Burrow a third or fourth go-to guy here. And it just causes more problems for the defenses that have to go up against the Bengals here. That's really all, that's really all it is. It's an arms race in the AFC, so go get your guy another horse. I completely agree, and I think also it's a nice little insurance policy in case you're not able to bring T. Higgins back. He's commanding way too much money. Now you've at least got another weapon on offense for Burrow that's going to be on a rookie contract for four years, so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the only counter to it would be they lost a lot on the defensive side of the football. So maybe that's where they go with their first round pick. But I mean, just talking dream fit on paper. Yeah, I got the exact same thing. So I'm with you. Yeah, played at Notre Dame, born and raised in Kentucky, like not far from home. So I think that makes even more sense. Another spot or another move I could see them doing is Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama, did lose two safeties. I know they have Dax Hill who's a versatile piece in the secondary, but yeah. you definitely need another guy back there. 100%. All right, my last one here, and I, I think this is the most interesting name to watch of the top-tier guys. It's Jalen Carter to Detroit. I think oh. he would be absolutely dangerous there, but the issue with the whole Jalen Carter situation is the off-field stuff. So he is probably the best defensive player in the draft. I guess not even probably. He is the best defensive player in the draft, where if you talk off-field stuff aside, who has the talent to go number one overall aside from the quarterbacks? He's the only player in this draft, realistically. He's the only one. So mm -hmm. which team is going to be willing to risk it, bite the bullet, take the PR hit, and draft him with a top 10 pick? Because he's going to go top 10. And I think either Seattle takes him at five or Detroit takes him at six. Who knows? Probably not the smartest thing for them to do, especially with the PR disaster they are. But the Cardinals at three could even take him. I mean, he's <laughs> he could go anywhere. He's got the talent to be a number one overall pick, though. Very, very true. Uh, that that is a great point with the Cardinals. <laughs> but hey, Seattle is across the country from Georgia. If you think it's about who he's running around with or something like that, same with Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit would be a fantastic God. fit. It could be a nightmare just thinking about him being in Detroit if it doesn't get cleaned up off the field, but hopefully it would. Yeah. Put him in the middle with Hutchinson. Yeah, you have a nice little something to build off of there. They've done that on the offensive line. They'd be doing it on the opposite side of the ball. I think that would be just a home run pick for them. They wouldn't pass on him if he was there. I agree. I don't think he goes any further than six, so we'll see. He's definitely one to watch, and I think he's going to kind of dictate what happens with the QBs because a lot of these teams that could pull the trigger on him, if they don't and they stay put, would probably take a QB because there's just not that many players with that top-end talent that warrant being the fifth or sixth pick. Yeah. 
I have another one here and then a little bonus one. So this is another Lions pick. Devin Witherspoon, corner out of Illinois. He was a zero-star recruit, basketball player in high school. I believe his mother told him to go out to the football team. He does that, ends up playing college ball at Illinois and being an All-American his senior year. He's a physical corner. He's got some ball-hawking abilities to him, and I think that's exactly what uh, the Lions' philosophy is. Kneecap biter, playing tough. He can be that last addition to what they've done this offseason on that end. Uh, yeah, so, they got rid of Okuda, so it makes sense on paper for sure. Right. Uh, he was one of the only guys that held his own against Marvin Harrison Jr., and you're going to be going against Justin Jefferson, Christian Watson, JSN when the Packers take him. And DJ Moore as well with the Bears now. So you need to be prepared yeah. at the corner spot. And then my bonus pick, Bijan Robinson to the Ravens at 22. Reestablish that identity of running the ball. That would help Lamar Jackson out tremendously. I like that. And it sounds like he might go top 20. So I think see. that is smoke. And I, I that is one that I am so tired of hearing the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> at eight. Oh, uh, yeah, now, I hate that. I listen to Bucky Brooks and I respect the heck out of Bucky Brooks. I mean, the guy knows NFL football and scouting a lot better than me, but he made the argument with DJ that why would you pass on this guy? I mean, look at Arthur Smith and what he created in Tennessee. He had the best running game in the league. Why would he not want to build that here? And if Ritter's really your guy, don't you want to give him something to work with? Number one, Desmond Ritter is not the guy. Anyone who thinks Ritter is the guy is completely clueless. I think Atlanta is a dark horse (laughs) to take off. I think Stroud's a dark horse to go eight to Atlanta if he's there. I also think they could be trading up for a QB because they've been way too quiet and there's way too much Bijan Robinson smoke. I mean, you still got Cordell Patterson under contract. You had Algier, who is a rookie, who was great. He's going to be a lot cheaper than Bijan Robinson because you got him a lot later in the draft last year. What do you have to gain by bringing in Robinson? Like, seriously, what does he bring you that the two running backs you have already don't have? What is he going to average? 0.3 yards per carry more oh, and maybe dude. have a touchdown or two more like how how is he that much better i, backs are I so have interchangeable and replaceable i have to push back the talent is there i think he's significantly better than those guys one cordero patterson is already on the wrong side of 30 and getting older yeah you're not as gonna build as... around him algiers your guy but you have huntley too who's young and produces one of them tore their achilles or acl right was it huntley I don't think Huntley's was a long-term injury, but he should be ready to go for the season. Uh, Season-ending Achilles, December oh, 19th. All right, I was wrong about that. Well, <laughs> maybe he's not ready to Algier, go. I'm with you. Um, it would be a huge upgrade, be a friend to Desmond Ritter, but we've said this many times. They are so far away from contention. I don't think running back is where you go. And by the time you're ready to contend, if Bijan Robinson is this Pro Bowl best in the league running back that some people think he could be, I don't yeah. think he's that good. I watched him a lot at Texas. Um, he's going to need a massive contract by the time you're any good. So what do you want to pay paying him 20 mil a year in a few seasons when you think <laughs> you're actually ready to win? Like it just makes no sense at all. And tell me, who do you think the most talented running back in the league is? Like who's, who's the best talented running back? Oh, uh, yeah. wow. Okay, this is off the top of my head. Nick Chubb is up there. What has Nick Chubb ever McCaffrey, won? McCaffrey is number one, most talented. What has McCaffrey ever won? Um, He made it to the NFC Championship, and they played their third-string quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's... And he completed a pass in that game? <laughs> uh, you can get a pass to an extent, but the whole no, thing is... No, didn't he complete a pass in that game? Oh, I thought you were saying, doesn't he just get a pass on that one, which he kind of does. Uh, I don't know. I was waiting for him to go back and start playing QB. But my whole point is, a talented running back wins you nothing. It wins you nothing. I mean, the Chiefs didn't even really have a running back for the bulk of last season, and they managed to win because they're quarterback. Running back is irrelevant. They had a running back. They had two running backs. One of them was top five I mean, in Pacheco, receiving touchdowns. Pacheco came on pretty strong. Okay, McKinnon played as a scat back. You can find anyone. McKinnon's a free agent right now. If he's that great, <laughs> then go sign Jarek McKinnon and use that eighth, eighth overall pick on someone that's actually going to help you. I just don't think Robinson, in terms of actually winning, gets you anything. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think he goes late first, and Atlanta could be a team to watch, and they might be up to something. 
Okay. I like that theory. Anything else draft related? Uh, I think the Will Levis stuff is pretty interesting. He's gone down to plus 350 on my book to be the number one overall pick. So keep an eye on his odds. And if you haven't heard, apparently he's been telling friends and family, the Panthers told him he's going to be the number one overall pick. There was that's, a Reddit post that yeah, went that's viral. from a Reddit post. So not the confirmed. Vegas odds are moving. Well, it, it's all speculation. I mean, you can't confirm any of this, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, I mean, he was over 50 to one odds 24 hours ago and now he's below five to one everywhere you look. So I'm, I'm watching yeah. that. Uh, it sounds like Tyree Wilson is probably going to be the picket two to Houston. And then it sounds like Levis. Back. Yeah. If they don't move back, which it doesn't really seem like anyone wants to move up to two or three. And I think a big part of the reason is Bryce is the only for sure thing is a QB, according to what most scouts say. And then the defensive talent just isn't there aside from Jalen Carter, but you don't really want to risk giving up massive assets to move up to two or three to take a guy with major red flags off the field who could, you know, be out of the league in a couple of years if he doesn't get it together. So like, is anyone going to move up to two or three? Probably not. I also feel I don't like know, man. there's no major trades that big that happen anymore on draft day. I think it's been over eight or nine years since anyone moved into the top 10 on the day of the draft. It always happens days or weeks before. And we're getting to that point of no return now where if a trade hasn't happened yet, it's probably not gonna. So it'll be fun to watch if one does. But my best guess is we have Bryce at one, unless something crazy happens with Levis, Tyree Wilson at two to Houston, probably going to have Will Anderson at three to the Cardinals. And then it sounds like the Colts are in love with Will Levis at four and are going to take him if he's there. And then who knows what happens after that? Then it all just turns into a crapshoot. But I'd be willing days away. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet against that top four pretty heavily. I, I think taking Tyree Wilson, a Texas Tech defensive end over Jalen Carter would be a massive mistake. I think even Carter, though Jalen Carter. Yes, I, I'm not even going to go there. You're going to take a big 12 defensive end from Texas Tech over I'm not. clearly the best defensive prospect in this class. I think that's asinine. I get it. I'm not, but I, I, yeah, no, I get why people are saying Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson here. I think that's the interesting part of that leak, if you want to call it that. Uh, Tyree Wilson is a, he's got a better combination of length and speed than Will Anderson, who's just got pure production. Um, and, and that's what D'Amico is used to with the San Francisco defensive ends. So that's where that smoke's coming from. I don't know, man. I, I'm just ready to get down there and see how this plays out. I'm excited for Thursday. And last thing I got on it, how bad did the Texans screw up in that last game of the season? I mean, can you imagine if they would have had the number one pick and have your choice at either Bryce Young or the ninth pick in a treasure chest full of assets that the bears got, like it would be franchise altering being able to have Bryce young versus will Levis, you know, like that's, that's such a huge difference or all the assets that the bears were able to get from the Panthers. Like it's crazy to think about, man, that, that one game, that one game changed all of this. Yeah. I think that's what they deserve for, what they've done to their last two coaches, treating them as bridge coaches, not giving them a real opportunity. Uh, and yep. Lovey just handed it to him and helped out his old team in the Chicago Bears. So great for yeah, him. Lovey gave a bit or big old middle finger on the way out. And uh, good for him, man, because he's going to haunt this Texans organization for potentially decades to come if Bryce is a home run and they mess this draft up. All right, let's talk NBA for the second half of the show here. Quickly, we'll run through the new awards that have dropped and a coaching hire that we need to talk about. And then we're going to hit three of these playoff series. Let's start out with the awards. Paolo Bancaro named Rookie of the Year. He got 98 out of 100 first place votes. Walker Kessler received the other two, but he actually came in third. Next, mm, It's probably to... John Hollinger who voted for him. That's probably <laughs> one of them. No, a Salt Lake City reporter gave him one of those. Uh, I don't know who the other was, but Jalen Williams, our guy at OKC, was second in voting. That's solid. Ben Mather in third? 
fourth. Kessler was third. Oh, yeah. Kessler third. Wow. Jump Matherin. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Paolo was clearly best player this year. I mean, J-Dub made a push, no doubt. But, yeah. Got it right here. Lori Markinen named most improved player. I really thought SGA had a chance in this one. He comes in at second with 289 points here. Lori Markinen had 430 in first place. And Jalen Brunson in third with 91. Wow. Kind of surprised me Brunson's there, but his numbers did take a leap. I think I'm fine with this, though. Like, when you look at Markinen yeah. went from a guy who people were thinking could be out of the league, was a borderline rotation player. I don't know player. about that. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't stay healthy and couldn't play defense. No one wanted him. I mean, he was going to bounce was around throwing, from team yeah. to team. Exactly. He was an afterthought. And now he's an all-star. Like, that's, that's yep. a massive leap. I know SGA took it to another level, but I'm fine with this. And last one, Malcolm Brogdon named Sixth Man of the Year. I'm saying he's got to be the only player to have won Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year in their career. Kind of cool there. He gets 408 of the points. Emmanuel quickly in second at 326, and Bobby Portis in third with 97. Norm Powell kind of got snubbed here. I think he got a, should have got a little more. That was my preseason pick. But this one I'm fine with. Six man was meh. There was, there was nothing that great this year going on there. Yeah, your East Coast voters aren't staying up to watch Norm Powell. So tough. They're yeah. not wrong. Hey, they voted Jamal Crawford year after year. So what am I saying? Um, before we talk playoff series, we need to talk about Ime Udoka being hired by the Houston Rockets. Do you like this move for them? I do. I mean, the biggest issue with this team, I got in a debate with my coworkers about it. They were saying they liked Houston's young core better than Orlando's. And I was like, y'all are absolutely insane for that. Like, well, look at <laughs> look at Jalen Green and Shingoon and you know what all they can do. I was like, neither of them can defend. Look at their and record. So spent, yeah, that's what I said as well. We spent 20 minutes debating about Shingoon's defense. Um, one of them tried to tell me he thought Shingoon would be better than Franz Wagner. And I was like, dude. You, you can't make that argument. Like as much as I give Tom shit about Franz, like do they listen you can't to this? Even make that argument. Do what? Does the person that say that or that said that listen to this? Uh, probably not, but I don't care if he does. <laughs> Josh, you know what I'm talking about, man. You're dead oh, wrong on man. this one, but they need defense. I mean, they can't defend and they clearly have no structure. They have no real offense. They overran their head coach. They need a guy who's going to come in and, you know, lay the smack down and not take uh you know, not take no for an answer in terms of playing defense. And I think he's the the top guy that's going to come in and be able to do that. Yeah, they need a true culture changer and someone that can, I guess, scare them straight. Sounds like they didn't hold have them it. accountable. Yeah, and that's that's what he was known for with Boston. I mean, you do have Ironically. a lot of yeah, you, you have a lot of personality there with Jalen uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Tatum's a little more even keeled, but Time Lord as well. Like young group, right. trying to get the most of them. He did that, got them to a finals. I think it's a great fit here. I like it better than the Nick Nurse idea or the Kenny Atkinson one. Just a bad taste in my mouth with Nick Nurse with how the Toronto situation ended. Um, speaking of that, let me know if you have anything else on the Udoka hire. Nick Nurse had a pretty spicy exit from the Raptors. Told Masai Ujiri, good luck with those guys in his exit interview. And I think that took Masai off guard. Didn't really know where he was coming from. I think this team is in for a a huge makeover this year, whether it's Spicy P and Fred Van Vliet having some attitude in the locker room or what. I think FEV is going to opt out of his deal, sign elsewhere, and maybe Siakam gets traded. And they're just looking at Scotty Barnes and a whole bunch of new guys. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent. He's good as gone. There's no way he's coming back there. And everything that I've heard, and I mean, you can even see it in games, Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam did not get along. Siakam appeared to be the most vocal guy in that locker room. We know OG Ananobi's not going to say anything. Scotty Barnes is a rookie. Fred Van Vliet one foot out the door, maybe. It just seemed like it all went really bad there um last thing on the Udoka hiring I just think it's ironic that we're preaching culture and accountability when he got fired for having an affair with an employee on the team but you know I guess uh if you can coach it you don't have to practice it yourself I don't know man but I I do like the hire for Houston and 
Toronto has a shakeup coming, no doubt. I agree with you. Yep. All right, let's talk some playoffs. Which series do you want to start with? Man, well, I didn't plan on talking about this one at all, but really quick, coming off the Hawks' victory over the yeah. Celtics, that's now 3-2 to two going back to Atlanta for Game 6. 1-10, uh, to 10, we were at, I believe, a zero on the panic meter for Boston last time we recorded. Where would you be on the panic meter right now for the Celtics? Realistically, I'd put it at a 2. I don't oh, think... Wow. I don't think they're going to lose the series by any means. They had this game in the bag. They just took their foot off the gas. And maybe that doesn't happen with Ime as their coach. Maybe they close it out tonight. But they will snap out of it. That is a lesson for them to take and move on from. They'll probably go get the job done in Atlanta. Uh, Kudos to Trey Young, though. Taking all this criticism and turning it into two wins. Yep. And then if you think about it, the Hawks have no pressure. They're going back to Atlanta. Like anything at this point is just gravy. Everyone's assuming the Celtics are going to finish it up and oh, they let, they let games four and five slip. They'll correct it in game six, man. That Hawks crowd is going to be fired up. Trey young is, I mean, he's to an extent like playing for his career in Atlanta right now, trying to prove that he deserves to be the franchise guy and they should game winner around him. Yeah. He played great. At least from what I saw and what I've seen, um, I would be at a five. I think Atlanta could win this series. I think there's a good chance they win game six. And if it goes to seven, anything can happen. Anything can happen. You could have peak Trey Young in game seven on the road. I I do think that's when he's at his best in that hostile environment. A rookie head coach that is definitely struggling a little bit. Uh, I would give Quinn Snyder the clear coaching advantage in terms of schematics and X's and O's. It seems like he's figured some things out the last two games in the series. And I don't know, man, I still don't entirely believe in Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart to be able to close a game seven out and not have something funny potentially happen. Hey, it's Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon as well. So, oh, I'm shivering in my bones from Atlanta. (laughs) Like, okay, Derek White. All right. Okay. We disagree there. Let's move it on to the Grizzlies Lakers. This is the one I want to talk about. Stayed up Mm -hmm. watching this game last night. All time playoff performance from LeBron. Man, it definitely was because he hit the shot at the end of the game, but it was a weird one, like a really weird one where I think he got all of his points in like two, three minute spurts. I mean, he barely scored and didn't assert himself at all on offense, but guy had 20 freaking rebounds and then hits the game winner. Like It was just a very different LeBron game. He did not score at all in the fourth quarter until the very last bucket. Yeah, he has the game-tying bucket attacking the basket. Yeah, excuse and, me, game-tying that sent it to OT, not game-winning. Well, he had that as well, and one against Dylan Brooks was pretty much the dagger in the, the dagger. OT. Yep. Uh, so 22, 20, and 7. First 2020 game of his career, first 20 rebound game of his career. Hell of a performance. It was kind of weird. He was just camping out under the basket, tipping the ball out to people. Kind of like weird. Yeah, conserving energy. Reeves was really attacking the basket late. Dennis Schroeder being careless with the ball. LeBron just sitting there conserving energy for those last moments. And you saw him talking up D'Angelo Russell in the OT. I would love to know what he was saying. I imagine it was something like, hey, man, you hit those threes, three threes, I believe, for us down mm-hmm. the stretch of the fourth back to quarter. Back to back. Yeah, to really get them back in the game. They were down six after Desmond, Desmond Bain kept cooking them. He had so shots to give them a chance. Seems like things are really coming around for this Lakers team. I think the Grizzlies will win game five, but 100% the Lakers are closing this out in game six. I don't know. I hope that this goes longer. Keep an eye on AD. It looked like he did either have or re-aggravate some type of hip injury last night. He finished the game, but he was not himself. I mean, I think he only had like eight points. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Although I guess that's not really anything new. He's constantly (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He had 12 points. Some of those came pretty late. I believe he had like seven in the fourth quarter. I believe he had like seven or eight points and eight rebounds when he went to the free throw line uh, early in OT. Uh, 
final thoughts on this series. So last night, Taylor Jenkins with the worst challenge ever in the history of basketball since it's become a thing in the last season and a half or two seasons. As to why he challenged an out-of-bounds call in the second quarter, I'll never understand. Because one of those jaw drives where LeBron, quote-unquote, took the charge, he just fell backwards and wasn't in front of him or planted or anything. When you look at it in replay, it's clearly a defensive foul, not a charge. It was an and-one. It would have been a three-point swing. Didn't have his challenge left because he used it on a change of possession in the second quarter. Like, what are we doing there? What are we doing? I don't have the answer for you there, but my takeaway is it's already scary when jaw leaves two feet and flies into the basket, but it seems like he's taking that to another level in the playoffs here. And he obviously has the messed up hand. You have to be holding your breath. If you're their owner, if you're in their front office, if you're Taylor Jenkins, if you're a fan, if you're Chris Vernon, I mean, every time that guy is in the air, you think it's going to end disastrously. It's scary. And he re-aggravated that hand injury like five times last night. It's who he is. And you saw him late in the fourth quarter. It was back-to-back possessions, getting to the basket. He blows by Reeves on one, finishes, and then he has a buzzer-beating dunk with his left hand to end the third quarter. The guy's a freak, but you just want to see him maybe not jump whenever he's yeah, got LeBron I, I underneath him. Be healthy. I want to see him be healthy when it matters. Uh, last thought on this series. Did you see the Desmond Bain quote after the game? No. They asked him what happened on the LeBron game tire. And he said it was a defensive breakdown. It was an error on our end deviating from the game plan. Uh, he said that they were supposed to double him when he went to drive. And if Left you watch the replay or fourth quarter, Brooks, uh, This was in the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure. Could be wrong on the play, but I'm pretty sure this was LeBron game tire. He was saying Bain was guarding LeBron. LeBron scored over Bain. And well, Bain and Jaron Jackson. What Bain was saying is someone was supposed to come help me and we were going to double him as soon as he started to drive. When you watch the play, Dylan Brooks was beside him on the court. So a little shot at Brooks there. Hey, man. Dylan Brooks needs to find a new career. He's going through it. He's going through it. Man. I mean, I've never seen an example of someone talking the talk and then wa- walking away from the walk like this. Like it's been bad. He didn't even try to back it up. He just cowered, ignored the media two straight games. Well, the the ejection made it weird, but he did it to himself. I think Adam Silver has been pretty clear that he's tired of the bullshit with Dylan Brooks and Draymond. And anytime you put yourself in a chance where you could be ejected or suspended, it's going to happen. Now, I don't think he deserved to get suspended, but that whole ordeal was weird or ejected, I should say. All right. Well, enough Dylan Brooks. Uh, Hopefully we get to see a game seven in the series. I'm hoping it goes the distance. Let's move it really quick to some of the other interesting series. We saw one of the greatest playoff performances ever last night with Jimmy Butler and what he was able to do in that comeback win. Where is the panic meter at if you're Milwaukee now down 3-1? Panic meter's got to be on 11 if you're Milwaukee. (laughs) Foot on the gas. Will Ferrell and the other guys screaming America, putting that that foot down here. They are in trouble. Never saw this coming. And what I'm about to say, you might as well throw out the window because this series has not gone as expected in any way, shape, or form. I think Milwaukee picks up game five easily. And then we go back to Miami and can Jimmy do it again? That is the question. Agreed. You you have to think he's going to not take this game off literally, but not give his everything, you know, unless the Heat are just raining threes in the first half and things are looking right. He's Milwaukee's not losing game five. There's just yeah. no way. He's got to save himself for game six and try to go for 35 or 40 again. That's the only way they get it done here. But yeah, playoff Jimmy's alive and well, man. What a performance. The plan works. The plan works. For all the haters, this is the most competitive playoffs we've ever had by far. We're seeing the one seed and the two seed in the East potentially on the road. Can we get a fact We're check seeing- on that statement? <laughs> it's got to be. I- I've never seen one, two, and three seeds be in trouble like this before. And then you look at the West, you look at the two seed, they're down three to one. You look at the one seed, 
they're down five points late in the third quarter. It's 3-1, potentially going to be 3-2 here. Like, we're not seeing any sweeps hardly. We've seen one sweep and it was a three seed. The rest of these series have been pretty competitive. What's your panic meter at for Milwaukee? I think it's about a nine. I'm not ready to freak out. Now, if we get down early in game five and we're like down seven at halftime, oh yeah, I'm I'm on 11 freaking the hell out. But I, I mean, think you get game five, you're down three, two. Most of the stats that you hear about teams that are down three, one and are in trouble and they only win 5% of the time. Most of the teams that go down three, one don't have home court advantage. So that changes things a little bit. Or Giannis or are the one seed. Uh, but I think it just has to be on 10. You can't, it can't not be going into this game. This is your season on the line. Your expectation, your goal for this year was not just to come out of the East. It was to win another title. You're not going to have Giannis on Tedekumpo in his prime forever. And they're dilly-dallying. So I don't think you can assume anything in this series. I want to assume game five is a layup. But with Jimmy Butler, you never know. Yeah, we'll see what Giannis looks like and how healthy he is. And we'll see what Jimmy's got left in the tank. Uh, really quick, let's wrap it up with some rapid-fire thoughts on the Warriors and Kings. We find out today that De'Aaron Fox is going to play through his fractured finger. Same injury that Kobe played through in 2010. We've all seen it by now. The line has swung two and a half points after hearing that game five in Sacramento. What's your pick for the rest of the series? Hate to do this. I'm picking the Warriors to come out on top in this one. I think that injury will hinder Fox's ability a little bit, especially for someone who relies on that floater game and attacking the basket to get a lot of his buckets. I think he's going to need that touch. And if his right hand is messed up, taped together a few of those fingers, will he be able to replicate that shot? I, I don't know. I'm concerned about it. And I think this championship pedigree is coming on. The Warriors looked fine without Draymond. He's going to be ready to roll, ready to take one in Sacramento. That's my pick. As much as I hate to say it, just think experience wins. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that this one is going to be interesting, and unfortunately, things have swung the Warriors' way, and you hate to see it. But all right, let's get out of here. Let's catch the rest of these playoff games that we got tonight. Hopefully, Phoenix is going to finish up this series, and then uh, enjoy the draft on Thursday. Should be a good time. Good luck with the marathon. Appreciate it. I'm going to need that. All right. Y'all know the drill. Give us that five-star rating. Uh, we will be back possibly in two weeks, maybe not next week. Peter's going to be in town in San Diego here, so we'll see what we come up with, but we might be a little preoccupied. That's a good word. <laughs> Peace.